I, uh, should I do this or not? Um, hmm. I mean, I, I, I should, but I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I, I mean, I, I'm finding the right answers, and it, it makes sense, but maybe this is something that I, I, I need to do. Should I call them? Should I call them? Should I call them? Should I call them? All right, here it goes. No, I can't do it. No, but I need to do it. All right, I need to call him again. Hi, uh, I'm, um, yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, I'm, I'm calling about your uh, marriage counseling classes. Uh, just, yeah, I, there's some things that I need to work out in my, in my relationship, and uh, I think this is a, a good place to, to give you a call. Okay. Hey, uh, it's, 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 it's me, Dad. Um, it's me, Father. Uh, I, I, I know we haven't talked for, for a really long time, but uh, we, we need to talk. Um, there's a lot of things that, that I think that you and I need to, need to compromise, and, and we, need to, we need to apologize, and we need to really, really work things out. I, I know it's my fault, but um, can you? What do you think? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and they will be open to you. For anyone who asks, receives. To the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Matthew 7, 10 through 8. Life is crazy. Life is messy. Life is full of many things. But for you, what is it here that you are asking, seeking, and knocking for? And I have no idea. But I know this, that in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus wants that something that you're looking for to be this. It is the kingdom of of God. You see, some of the things that maybe you're seeking and knocking for and asking for is what? Is maybe a career, your school, maybe finding someone to relationship with to get married. Maybe it's, it's staying here at this church and, and starting anew. For some of you here, maybe it's leaving this church. Maybe for some of you it's rectifying a lot of sin. Maybe for some of you it's I'm ready to talk about my faith. I'm ready to get baptized. For some of you, I'm ready. I'm ready to be in relationship with Jesus. You see, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's, the kingdom of God is this, is very clear. He says that the kingdom of God is heaven. Now, Matthew 4, 7, it says, before he begins his, when Jesus, before, before he begins his work, he says, 
that in Matthew 4, 7 is that the kingdom is near, repent. It is coming. Heaven is coming. Jesus is coming. And God who is loving, merciful, kind, amazing, he gives us his son named Jesus. And Jesus is this amazing being that is sinless and comes and dies on the cross for our sins and is known as the gospel. The gospel translated into Greek is the good news. And the word is evangelion, which is Greek means evangelist. And so for you here, maybe this is your first time hearing the, the, the term gospel, right? For some of you, even the term the kingdom of God. I mean, some of you have been here for the longest time, and you've always been working with God and walking with God. But what if I tell you this, that every single opportunity you get a chance to hear the gospel, that you get a chance to be encouraged, to be delighted, and just to know what does God have planned for you? What is it? So this morning, I want you to open your hearts up, not just me or the person next to me, Pew, but open up your heart to what God has in store for you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning, able to come for you to know that you are an amazing God that gives. And so, Lord, as you give us this opportunity to have breath, to have life, may you give us an opportunity, Lord, to know you because you're an amazing, amazing God. Lord, we're thankful for uh, our dry sanctuary, um, some really, really squished up pews in the front, but people that are here um, because, Lord, we are your guests, Father, Lord, and this is your house. And may we dwell in it, Lord. Amen. Good morning. Uh, my name is An. I'm on staff here. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I really enjoy about being on staff here is that I get to serve and to minister and to love on you. Um, I've been here uh, this month to be my fourth year at CLC. And uh, recently I just finished seminary. So thank you. Thank you. So... So 10 years of seminary gets me this nice uh, leather uh, blue uh, binder, and then it has this wonderful Western seminary seal and everything. This thing took me 10 years, um, and it's just a piece of paper, which is more crazy, right? Um, but one of the things that I, I, uh, I, I really enjoyed when I went to ministry was, was this, was that um, I, I really was, it was really a calling to ministry. So when I got called into ministry, I was like, what is the way that I could best love people that God brings me, and you're wondering, so I go into ministry, I go in seminary, and you're probably wondering, I learned a whole bunch of things in seminary, and here's the answer, the answer is no, I did not, and some of you are like, oh, that's really bad, and I'm laughing because I'm really nervous for you, actually, right, I learned a tremendous amount, I learned a tremendous amount to the point where um, I know it actually reaffirms my calling into ministry, you see, one of the things about the gospel is that when I struggled with that seminary was that the gospel is something that is hard to really fully understand because it is heart-wrenching. For me personally, the gospel, I struggle with it daily. Because my life, when I was growing up, I just fought to simply just to live, dealing with abuse, violence, poverty, trying to learn, and also trying to really figure out, is, is anybody in this world actually going to really love me? Is there somebody here that actually really love me? And to discover that God loves me, to discover that there's a, there's a higher being, it blew me away. You see, when I discovered Jesus' love for me, 
I realized there was nothing I could do to earn it. Then in turn, it actually wrecked my world. It actually turned it upside down. Everything I've known about what love was. And that's the same love that I want for people to know and to get. As we're, as we're going through the book of, uh, of Matthew and the Gospels, um, I ask myself, how, 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 can I love the, how can I love the gospel every day? And, and how does it show me? And so the best way for me to do that is um, I have this picture of my, my wife and my two daughters right here. And for every single second of my life, the way that I love them is what the gospel is to me. You see, it's not the seconds, the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks. It's sometimes the gospel loving them through the gospel, right? It's hard. It's struggle. But one of the things that I really enjoy about my family is that I want to love them. I want to care for them. I want to be there. And it's my motivation and it's my heart. And that's what the gospel is. Where is your heart? Where is your motivation for you to be in the gospel? Um, we're going through the book of Matthew right now. And the book of Matthew is um, a wonderful gospel of Jesus. And Matthew, who um, is a tax collector, um, who Jesus calls to come, is totally opposite of someone that would follow him. Uh, he works for the Roman government. He collects money from other people to be, in a sense, rich. And here's what Matthew does. Matthew says that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Son of God. He is with us. He is Emmanuel. He shows the lineage of David and other prophets talking about Jesus will come from this line. He also desires to tell us that Jesus taught this way and this is why he taught. And basically, this is what Matthew did, right? Matthew was giving us a seminary class, right, called Christology 101, right? The very, very first gospel. For me, when I, when I looked at the, uh, Matthew when I was growing up, I always thought that all the gospels were like, they're just four of them, tell you about Jesus, that's it, you move on, next. Like, what's, what's next, right? But it's much more than that. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to go and... Um, the book of Matthew. And so can you do me a favor and um, turn to Matthew 7 in your word. And we'll get into it. And if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you, uh, on your phone. Uh, more importantly, you can stay at a hotel. They are free. They're in your drawer of your hotel room. And just snag one, right? So before we go into Matthew 7, this is what happens to the gospel. The gospel puts us in the dilemma of what do we do with our lives, right? So if the gospel is here, we have a choice to either know that it's either true or false. It's a fact or fiction. So if it's true, then there is a heaven and a hell. Now if it's false, heaven and hell is pointless. So here is a question for you that I'm going to ask, right? So do you want to either know Jesus or you want no Jesus? Let me ask again. Do you want to know Jesus or you want to not know Jesus, so just know Jesus? I had this keychain with me for the longest time when I, when I first came to Christ. And I always thought, this is very interesting, the play on words. I grew up full with, with full learning needs of dyslexia. I couldn't read. But I could read this, though. I was like, know Jesus or no Jesus? I was like, of course, I want to know Jesus. So, like, it wasn't a problem for me. You see, because if you want to know Jesus, this is what's going to happen, right? 
It's that to know Jesus, I'm going to ask, seek, and knock. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did for a big chunk of my college life into um, getting married and, and so forth. A big part of me is that I want to know Jesus because if there is a heaven or a hell, I want to know about it. And this is what I did. Now, Matthew 7 uh, starts off with an um, interesting tidbit. But we're going to start off in Matthew 7, specifically verses 7, um, 7. So that's where we're going to start off because this is the pinnacle part of where Matthew um, sets up the rest of the chapter. And, and any of those uh, who are basketball players, I really enjoy basketball. Um, Matthew here sets up verse 7, 7 because I call it the point guard. Right? And the point guard sets up the entire team to what's going to come next, what's going to happen, what's going to be. And so uh, those who are Bay Area fans here, I am, I'm a huge Stephen Curry fan. Is there, any, is there any Stephen Curry fans here? Yes? No? There's none. None in this entire room. None so whatever. So, so um, here is uh, one of Stephen Curry's uh, authentic jerseys. The, the non-Nike ones that are not ripping, so down the back. Um, but Stephen Curry sets up his team. And Stephen Curry sets up the entire team so that they know where they're going to go and what's going to happen, what's next. And so Matthew 7 is going to set us up for the rest of the chapter of what's going to happen. And so if you turn to me in Matthew 7, 7, uh, we'll get started from there. So it says this, right? It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The one amazing thing about um, Scripture is that um, there is a plethora of information. And what I'm going to do for you is we're going to go through different parts of chapter 7, and we're going to talk about what does Jesus say. Not more what does Jesus say, but how does Matthew write what Jesus says for us to actually understand and know. You see, Matthew was writing during his time, which is about 40 to 50 years after Jesus was crucified. And for about probably 20 to 30 years after Jesus died, he had a very oral way of telling stories. So the way that one story passed on to another is that it was orally by different people that were respected and had a story to tell. And so fireside chats were legitly fireside chats, right? And talking about different things. And this was the story that Matthew captured and wrote and he said. Now on these verses right here, what I really enjoyed about these verses is that, look, the Greek, in Greek, the word ask, seek, and knock is considered perfect tense. And mean, perfect tense means is that it indicates that it's always going, it's always going to happen. Meaning is that it's always asking, always seeking, always knocking. You see, what Jesus was talking about right here was that, are you praying to me? And more importantly, Jesus says, if you're praying to me, are you going to seek me earnestly, righteously, purely, with love? You see, Jesus right here was slowly starting this train um, of talking about the gospel. You see, Jesus says to us, if you want to come before God, we need some manners. I have two girls. They do not have manners, right? And sometimes I don't have manners either, right? But we train them. We teach them. God says he wants to teach us manners. So you know what? Through manners, because there's what? There's courtesy, patience, diligence. And through asking and seeking and knocking, Matthew right here opens up the floodgates of what he's trying to get a point on 7 right now. You see, what happens before 7 is that we are nearing the ending of the Sermon on the Mount. 
Jesus is teaching right here. And there's tons and tons of people. And right before he actually goes into chapter 7, he talks about judging others. How, we, how should we or not judge others? And this is the famous verse where the plank in your eye, the speck of the log in their eye. What Jesus is saying is that it's not about you judging others. It's about can you self-judge yourself? And you have meekness and loving care to judge another brother because you see your sin in your own life. And in turn, you are required to aid them in their sin and remove that speckle out of their eye and their log. And I was like, oh, this makes sense, Jesus. Makes sense. But this is how he rolls into chapter 7. And so we're here. This is the starting point of the entire chapter. And we'll go into the next. And it says we're here in verses 9 through 12. And it says, it says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he will ask for a fish, you will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything to do, do to others what you would do to them. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Hello. Hey, so verse 9 and 12. What is happening here? So we, now we know that the gospel is going to be preached the rest of the chapter, right? And so how is this going to come along? And what is Jesus talking about right here is that, look, remember we talked about the kingdom of God, right? How heaven. This is what God says. says, look, your parents, some of you who are parents here, some of you who are actually children here, can you imagine in the morning if, like, you, you know, came downstairs and there's just a giant stone at your table for breakfast? Some of you is yes because that's your bad. That, that's your fault. You deserve that stone, right? For some of you, my daughter and I, uh, we went to this new Petco near our house, and they were looking at the birds, the fish, all that stuff. Can you imagine if, like, for Karis' birthday, I gave her, which is my oldest, and she's seven, we gave her a snake instead of a hamster, which she wanted, you know? I'm pretty sure she would be not be delighted. Jesus says here is that your father that you will pray to and ask and seek, who is perfect without sin, and that's not evil. He has not just breakfast for you, a pet animal for you, but he has heaven for you, and he's perfect. I was like, oh my goodness, this is what heaven's about. You have a perfect father that's going to give you more than you've ever, ever dreamed about. I don't know about you, like, but you don't, like, we don't go walk around like talking about heaven, like posting about heaven, and, like reading heaven. Like, it's just something we just don't do, right? But the more and more um, I see my children, I think about heaven a lot. You see, at the end, Jesus says, this says, are you going to do unto others what I've asked you? Which is later on we'll know it's the golden rule. And is that how do you love yourself, love others as yourself? And for some of us here, we love ourselves really, really well. Because when I look at you, you look pretty, pretty well and pretty good. Because that's this golden rule he wants you to know. And Jesus says this. It says, that we will end with the law and the prophets. And this is Jesus always referring back to the Old Testament of Moses. If you know the Old Testament, any of those who are uh, Old Testament junkies, I, I am not, okay, by the way. But he's referring to the Torah. The Torah is the five first books of, of the Bible. And the books are, want to help me? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and your favorite, right? Deuteronomy, right? That's, your, that's everyone's favorite, right? What he's saying is that Jesus is fulfilling the law, that he is the Messiah, that he is the chosen one that will bring heaven on earth for those that don't know him. Bam. I mean, Jesus could now just leave the Sermon on the Mount and say, good night, people. I'll see you later. Like, this is done. 
but he doesn't. He doesn't. And this is what something that Jesus does that I think that is just interesting. Jesus does something on this chapter that kind of changes the rest of the chapter because he says, look, hold on. That's what I'm going to do. You see, in chapter 7, verse 7 through 8, we see the word ask, seek, and knock three times. Um, meaning that, oh, I'm sorry, twice, two times over. And the reason why he's telling you this is because what he's really saying is that he wants you to have an understanding that he's going to give you three situations right now about what does the gospel mean to you and how can you find the kingdom. And so it's ask, seek, and knock. And I'm a really big, uh, you know, person that really likes abbreviations. So when you abbreviate ask, seek, and knock, it's ask. I was like sitting down, I was like, oh my gosh, Ichan! She's like, what? I'm like, no. She's like, I don't care. Come get your girls. My mind, I was like, Jesus. Ah! And then, you know, I had to go tend to my children. Look, Jesus now gives us three situations, three scenarios of what's going to happen Right? If you are asking, seeking, and knocking for the gospel, for Jesus in your prayers. The first one. The first one is called ask. Right? Let's go into the scriptures, right? Uh, it's in verse 7, uh, 13 and 14. It says this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many entered through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This text is deep. Two roads, two crowds, two destinations. There's not two heavens or two hells. There's one heaven and one hell. The narrow road that's more restricted leads to life. Jesus in the kingdom and it begins your path of actually knowing the gospel. A couple years ago I was in New York and the subway turns are really tight. I had to catch my flight to Queens at 3 in the morning. I had all my luggage, and there was people around me that probably should not be out at that time looking at me. And I was trying to go through this turnpike with all my stuff. And I almost peed my pants because I couldn't get it through. And the people looking at me all crazy. And I was like, I, I got through. But it was a narrow way to get in. Now, the wide, the wide road. I call it the Costco doors, right? Everybody goes in, right? I think it's useless to flash your, your, your Costco card because do they really check? And do they really look at you? You know, we have 60 people go through and they're all from different ethnic groups and all that too. Like, do you go, sorry, sir, you, you can't go in. Like, I need to see your, your stuff. I remember as a child, like, I would just go ahead of my parents and just find another family that looks like me. I just walk right in with them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the Bay Area, any of you can do that. And no one's going to ask you. But you know what, though? This wide way, right, is not his kingdom. There's lots of, quote-unquote, heavens. And you bring everything with you. You bring your baggage, your sin, your sins, your habits, whatever it is. You know, one of the crazy things about this is that Jesus says there's only one way. John 14, 16 says, says I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. Now, instead of giving you statements and, and, and all these little antics, I'm going to ask you questions. And, and so here's a question for you. The question is, 
who are you asking? You know, we, in college, I was asking a lot of questions from people, and maybe I would find the answers or not. But you know what, though? It's, it mattered because who I was asking and what questions was I asking. Because some of my questions could be narrow, it could be wide. You see, for me, I realized that if you're asking the proper questions to the proper people, you will get the right answers. And so you right now in this church, who are you asking questions about heaven and hell? Is it someone that despises it and actually brings you down? Is it somebody here that's, you actually want to be mentor and disciple in the ministry here, and they, they want to love and pour into you, and you're running away from the truth because you don't want to hear the truth, but that is the truth. So who are you asking? Who are you asking? You see, to me, once you find the right person that you're asking, you begin to walk on this path that Jesus desires for you. Because if you don't, you're going on the other road. It's not this narrow road that is hard and you got to fight for it and you can't find it. Maybe the other road for you is easy to find. And you're hindering not just yourself but people around you too. You know, last week, um, Pastor Andrew said, write down what is the things that makes you worried, like really, really worried. And you know what I put down? I put my children and their salvation. Because I worry about them knowing heaven and hell. I look over my wife and her paper, I was like, oh, you put a house. Okay. And then she looked at me, she was like, mm, 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 mm. and I was like, it's okay, babe. Because the house was going to be my next thing that I was going to put anyway. So, but who are you asking? Who are you asking about heaven and hell? Maybe some of you here looking for discipleship and mentorship and you haven't even been asked it because you're scared. Maybe you're a mentor and you're a discipler and you are really messed up because you have this gift to mentor and love on someone, but you're selfish and you don't want to give tell your time up to them. Think about that. Who are you asking? And what questions are you asking that's right? right so that's one. That's one of the things that the, the situations that Jesus is bringing forth right now. Number two, seek. All right. And the scriptures is Matthew 7, uh, 15 to 20. And it says this. Watch out for their false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But in really they are ferocious wolves by the fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or trees from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit, bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Jesus was saying this is that there's going to be a lot of people that's going to come proclaiming that they are Messiah, they are Jesus, they are Christians, they are rolling with this group of church or who they are. Because the minority of people now of Jewish Christians are starting up after Jesus died was a really small minority group. And a lot of people were trying to buy into this because they wanted to, what, make money? They wanted to deceive people? And they wanted to get up on people? Jesus is saying is this. Jesus says, look, you have got to make sure that you, right, are not being suckered into the wrong thing. Have ever you seen a thorn, a, 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 a thorn bush, a berry before? It looks like a grape, legitimately it looks like a grape. The, the, the tree itself, the, the roots, the plants, even, even the, the thuckborn berry with this. But for a human to consume it, it's actually really poisonous for you. You eat it, you will, you will die. Now, if you eat a grape, 
right? You're not going to die. But you have small children, you want to cut it in half because you want them to choke, right? But grapes are good, they're delicious, and if you go to Whole Foods because you're a baller, they have this like cotton candy flavor, whatever, I don't know what it's called, right? But it's good for you, right? And that's the real stuff. Now, the question for you is this. Are you going to seek the right thing? If you want a, a grape, you're not going to go to the Thuckborn, like Barry. You want the legitimate grape, so you're going to go to the grape. But make sure that that is actually a real grape. Right? So that's part one of this story here. And this is another part of the sermon that he goes on to. And it says this in verses 21 to 23. And it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. This is the first time that Jesus says, my father, and he's claiming that God is his father. He is the Messiah. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the light who is in heaven. Many who say to, to me on the day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and in your name for many, perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I've, I've never known you away from me, evildoers. This verse um, from what I heard, is what Francis Chan uh, came to the faith because he did not want God or Jesus to not know his name. Now, what is going on right here is that not only do we have people that are opposing as Christians, right? But what Jesus is saying right here is that this is how powerful God's name is. They would drive out demons, perform miracles, just by the hint of the word of Jesus and God. So you have these people that were opposers, Fake prophets that were saying that they believed in Jesus, that they belonged to this group, called demons, but they were not real faithful believers of Jesus because the last couple of weeks, Pastor Andrew talking about the heart and the motivation of why you come to know Jesus. And the reason why you want to get to know Jesus is because it's the condition of the heart and the motivation. Can you imagine me coming home to my children every single day and I will tell them I love them and I care for them, but it's very not authentic and it's a robot. Or I come home to my wife and I buy her flowers because they're on sale at Safeway for $1.99. It's the last bunch. It is hideous, but I buy it for her because I have to because I'm her husband. I'm her husband. I don't buy her flowers. I buy her boba because she really enjoys the round rice milk tea with 30% sweetness and ice. And for my children, it's taken to the park because I want to show them they want to get out of the house and be together with somebody, having a conversation with them. That's what love is. So you have this heart motivation. And Jesus says, look, if you do all these things in my name and there's no heart and motivation, I don't want you. You have no part of my kingdom. You have no part of heaven with me. I don't even know you. That is deep. That is deep. See, for you, what are you seeking? So we got... Who are you asking? What are you seeking? Now, maybe what you're seeking is that maybe what you need to be seeking is that you need to help yourself. Because you're damaged goods. And you need to seek yourself care and love because you haven't had that. I mean, for you, it's seeking that your coworkers, your friends, they need Jesus. And you're going to do anything you can so that they get to know him. So you're going to seek out Church services, times, locations, websites, best places to go, whatever you're going to do because you want to know Jesus, so you're going to make it the most comfortable, authentic way as possible. I know I did that for my friends. Are you seeking the proper information that will lead you to see the gospel, that is actually real? 
and is truthful? Are you seeking to grow in the church, to be part of this community and commit to CLC? If it's not here, it's another place. Are you seeking to be in fellowship with one another? Are you seeking to read this thing called the Bible that maybe for some of you that is so in such a Christine condition that's not even open, that's not even marked up, it just sits there? Are you reading God's word? This is a little rant I have. When I see people like in, holding their Bibles and, like, and they bring it in the, in the actual Bible cases, I'm like, so it, does, does it ever breathe air? Does it like, does you even open it? Do you even touch it? And when I see Bibles that are wrecked, turning apart, it is so cool to see. And maybe you have a cool app and you really enjoy that instead. And so, you know, I'm sorry if I'm judging you right. But are you seeking the right things? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call up a, a really uh, special guy that is in our ministry here and it's part of our church. And I'm going to call up Raymond Ty. Raymond, can you come up? Raymond, can you give me a hand for Raymond to come up? Hey, Raymond is uh, one of our young adults here. Let's go here, Raymond. I see that Raymond got the memo wearing um, don't wash jeans today. I have a couple of questions for Raymond. Hey, Ray. Um, I know that you've been coming to CLC for a while. What, uh, what have you been, um, uh, what were you seeking when you started coming to CLC? Which time? <laughs> okay, so, so, Raymond, so Raymond has been to CLC not once, not twice, but three times, okay? So, okay, so um, let's say the, obviously the third one. So what have you been seeking to come back for your third time now at CLC? So for the third time coming back to CLC, I've really been seeking community. After the second time I left, um, I really felt that I didn't really have a community after. I would go to like other churches, check it out, but I didn't really reach out to anyone. And then so sometimes I just also stream church online, but then there was one point where I was like, what's the point of this? Because it's like, I just go to church, or I just watch it online, and then there's just a lot of distractions in life, whether it may be school or just other sports. So when, when you were seeking, well, that time when you weren't seeking a community or in church and asked to be on CLC, what, what also happened to you just, I would say, like personally, like, you know, that you had your family, relationships, what, what was going on also in that area too of your, of your, of your faith? So faith-wise, when I left CLC, there was, it was just really hard. Like, there's points where I was like, man, what's the point of this? Like, do I really want to, I guess, know Jesus or know Jesus? Yeah. Where for me, it was like, it came to a point where it was the second no. So I was like, no, like, no Jesus. Like, you know, I really got to focus on school or like, dude, I have to win this fantasy football <laughs> matchup or something like that. You know, just really focus on other stuff that was like, I thought I could seek my identity in, but then after a while, it just got so draining where I was like, it came to a point where I was like, I really asked myself that question. I was like, do I want to know Jesus or know Jesus? So right now for you, what would you say is your faith right now? Like what, what are you seeking in your faith right now? I mean, we know like, it's a little about community. I know that church is more than community, but um, what is it right now, right now for you like seeking right now in your faith? So right now in faith, it's just seeking a lot of trust in God. Like, I guess in my life, especially I know a lot of other people can relate it's just a lot of goals that have been set for you okay one finish high school and then two finish a four-year degree and then for some people finish a graduate degree and then get a full-time job so fortunately I have a full-time job but I'm at this point where I was like oh what's the point of this full-time job yeah. if I'm just going to go to it eight to five do I really am I really passionate about it 
So I was really seeking a job that I really like and something God has been calling me to, and then just seeking out that trust from him. Uh, middle schoolers, you're here. We want you to graduate to middle schoolers, okay? So uh, if you're here as a middle schooler, um, Ray, what is uh, one thing that I've, I've been seeing, especially in, in with you, is this, uh, your, your desire to actually um, want to try. And I think a big part of that trust is that you being here and wanting to share. And so, Ray, thanks for, thanks for uh, sharing with us because I think most of us here are seeking something. And so the question for you all here is, is, is what are you seeking? And, and, you know, Ray's here telling you about some of the things that um, he was seeking that wasn't given him, Jesus. And maybe an opportunity to actually understand the gospel and the kingdom. But he's here for the third time. And um, I remember I, I, got, I got this text message from him. Um, we were going through a lot of transition ministries. There's just a lot of things that was going on in our, on our staff that was really hard. And I get this inbox message from Ray. And Ray was like, hey, it's me. Uh, this is going to sound really weird, but I want to come back to CLC. And this is his third time. I was like, in my head, like, I'm real, right? I'm like, dude, are you sure you want to come back? This is your third time, right? And then what he wrote just so encouraging because he says that it wasn't the church that brought him back. It wasn't the people. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit the people. But it was, God, it, it was God that brought him back. And this is where he wants him to be. And I was just so astonished about that. And so I, I read it really, really quick. And I, obviously I want to reply as fast as I can. And I said, of course, man, come back. Like, let's, let's get a meal. Let's hang out. And here he is now. And so can we give a, a hand to the Lord? And so... But uh, hey, Ray, you're you're part of this community here, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for Ray, um, and this is your community here, and so as a community here, um, it's it's really cool to see how God works in people, to see them actually um, really find what they're designing for with Him, and to have it here, it's it's, it's incredible. Let's pray. Hey, Lord, I thank you for this time that Ray is able to share a little bit about um, things that he he was either um, couldn't find with you. But when he seeked you, Father, you opened the doors in so many different ways for him to know you, to discover you, and to flourish in his ownership, Father, with him and his family and his friends and the key ownership that he has in his life. So, Father, we, uh, we exalt him and we give him wisdom for all these things he's been looking for, especially in the season right now of him being a young adult and working. Because you're a good God, Father, that provides. Thank you for this time. Amen. Hey, thanks, Ray. <laughs> no, brother. Give your hand for Ray again. So Ray's been calling us home for the third time. I wouldn't be surprised if other people here have maybe left. A fourth, fifth. And God doesn't keep track of numbers. What he attracts of you, he attracts your hearts and your souls. And that's what he cares most about. So what are you seeking? Now, the last one, number three. Is knock. And we'll go in the scriptures here as we finish up here. And this is on uh, verse 24 to 27. And it says this in your Bible, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, I want to pause right there. These words of mine... He's bringing now more strength and power into what the scriptures are because he's saying these words are mine and puts them to practice. Means that you understand and know that Jesus is the son of God 
and that he is the boss and that you're going to take his words and say, I agree with you because it's truth. It is truth. Verse 25 says this, the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice is a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, in the Holy Lands, they're known to have a ton, a ton of storms. So it's not very, it's not uncommon for people to actually endure these storms and go through it and have and be prepared. So Jesus is speaking to all these thousands and hundreds of people, and he's relating to them back and forth, back and forth. And he drops the bomb and says, look, but if you are going to build your house, you got to build it upon me. That's where it breaks these people. You see, because here it is. Why are you knocking? The last one. Why are you knocking? You see, if you don't know why you are knocking on the door to seek the gospel and know Jesus, then you're just playing ding-dong ditch on Jesus, right? Like, you're just like, you knock once, and maybe it's very lightly, and you're like, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk back, right? And you know how every time you have like a weird like butt call, you know, dial, and they, the person that you call by accident for like one second calls you, like, hey. You're like, oh, hey. Um, hi. Um, either you're going to tell them you actually butt dial them, right? Which is my layer is A for on, and I'm always the first person that gets all the butt dials, okay? Like all the time, okay? Or you tell them, or it actually gives you an opportunity to actually have a conversation. And you know what I've done a lot of the butt calls? I had a conversation. See what's going on. It's been a while. And a full-on conversation. And maybe not about, about Jesus, but it's about them. Maybe God is here waiting for you to knock on his door. And you don't have a reason why yet. But you know what, though? You should have a reason. You see, because knock on this door, right, is what? It's not like God is... Is not expecting you. He knows you're. He knows you're visiting. Not only that, he knows you're. He knows that you're visiting. That you are a guest to him, and he's waiting for you to knock on his door. He's simply waiting for you to knock on the door. You see, we're not showing up to God unexpectedly. We're not on time for him. But maybe for some of you here, you need to knock on the door, and know that. There are things about you that no one else in this community, this church, can even help you with because it's ultimately the Father. You know, one of the most hardest things in my life to do was to knock on the Father's door, which is my Father. I have a tremendous hardship relationship with my Father growing up. How do I love a man that puts his family through so much turmoil that every single time that he would tell us that we did not love him, that we would tell him we love him, and that his feelings and admiration and ambitions were based on how much money he had in his pocket, or the rage and fits that he had towards my mom or us. I hated my father. I want nothing to do with him. For the longest time, that was just the shameful side of my life. I never want to share with anyone. See, my dad's name was Troy, his, 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 uh, his English name, but his, his, his real name is Nowick, and Nowick is my middle name. And I hated my middle name because it was him. And I always called him Troy because that's who he was to me, just Troy. 
For some of you here, why are you knocking on the door of Jesus to find? What are you wanting to find? And what I realized is that when I came to the gospel and I knocked on the door and found Jesus, what I found was that I am a sinner, that I need Jesus, that I can't do this life alone. And Jesus recognized that with a crowd of people that were coming to see him speak and preach and teach. And when he was done preaching and teaching, the crowd was in awe and they left. And you know what Jesus does? He went away to the next town and began healing. His first acts were always healing. And you know what the gospel does to your hearts? It heals you. So my father and I, we and now... I knock on his door, and we have a conversation, and we talk. It's not perfect. It's not amazing. But I forgive my father. Of all the transgressions he's done in my life, the things he did in my family, who I am. And there are a lot of things he's done way deep that I, I'm ashamed to talk about when I was growing up. From losing our home, to the abuse I saw, to the things that I wish that no other students from middle school or high school ever faced. But here's a guy that is a grandfather to my two daughters. I want my daughters to know that they have an amazing grandfather because I love him and for all his faults and all his sins. And one day, he's going to know Jesus too. And I hope that he also knocks on the door to know Jesus. And we're going to end today with this. Where are you right now about asking and seeking and knocking for the gospel? You see, Jesus comes here because he doesn't want to offend who you are. But he wants to offend your heart because your heart needs to be broken for him. And he's going to tell you how it is. And for me to be offended of Jesus, that's what wrecked my world. I wanted his love because my earthly father did not give it to me. But through my heavenly father, it broke me. I realized that I needed him. And in turn, I'm able to forgive my earthly father and move forward in my relationship with Jesus. So for you, what is it? What is it that you're doing right now that you are thinking about either to know Jesus or know Jesus? And in this room right here, I don't care if you've been a believer, you grew up in the church, your dad's a pastor. For this is your first time hearing the message of Jesus and the love for you and how unconditional it is for you. If that's the case, we're all on the same boat, we're on the same ship, we're on the same place together. I had this young adult ask me, I don't know what to do my life on. It's crazy. I'm doing this and this and this. I feel like I'm always moving back and forth all the time. And I said, you know what? Look at this way. Our lives are like we're on these ships and these boats. And we're always going, porting, going somewhere too, right? But do you ever think about what keeps up your ship? You never think about the seas and the waters that support you, but you never ever even take a hint of what you're wondering about. That's what God does for us here. We're all in the same. We're all in the same place, this world, and we need Jesus. And what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to ask, seek, and knock? I'm going to pray right now as we kind of go into this time of just reflection. Look, God loves you. And I have no problem telling every single one of you to your face, I love you too. Because it's God's love that I'm loving you with in 1 John 2.16.
is his love on the cross, his body brought to you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you are an amazing, amazing God. You give us ears to hear, feet to walk, hands to lift up to the sky to praise you because you are good. And when you are good, Father, Lord, as humans, we tend to want to keep things that are good to ourselves. But Father, Lord, you tell us that when, when things are good, they should be news. When these good news is about you, Lord, we should tell someone about it, Father, Lord. So Father, Lord, today as we go into a time of reflection and prayer, maybe you're touching and pulling and nudging some of us here to come before you to know you. Maybe some of us here have been reluctant to come before you because we were so entrenched in sin, our selfishness, our enviness. Maybe some of us, Father, Lord, this is the first time we're hearing you and we're just like, I've never saw it that way. I want to know more. For those that have been remaining faithful, that's loving and in your word, empowering through, may you, Father, Lord, anoint them to, to give them wisdom serve you in ways that maybe they never thought of. We come before you, Father, Lord, as simply people that desire something. Maybe that something is you, Father, Lord. Maybe something is you, Father, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen.